Well, Armageddon pretty much refers to the final battles. Well, pastor should answer this better than I. Okay, as as far as I understand, Gog and Magog are the sources of the of the people that form the armies of the final battle. Uh, but I I don't I don't pretend to understand that really really well. Um, oh, it certainly is, and and you know the world that we're in right now, as much as it bothers us uh, to see these things coming to pass. It's all shaping towards the end. Uh, and whether that's, you know, within days, months or years or decades, we don't know. Or a hundred years or whatever God, God intends. Thank you, honey. Um, but the point is, is, as Pastor said, the, the, everything is in his hands. The entire world and, and the way things will play out. And that we're going to talk about some of these things to, uh, tonight. So, so, uh, so Psalm 119 verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live and let me not be, excuse me, let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up and I shall be safe and I will have respect unto thy statutes continually. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes for their deceit is falsehood. Thou puttest away all the evil of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. And so we're on verse 118. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. We're on page six. Item number six, the inevitable end of the disobedient. We've started this already, uh, but the blanks are the inevitable end of the disobedient. That's verse 118 again. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Last week we talked about... The world's perspective is, why, why does God judge? So many people, when you talk to them about the Lord, about salvation, they, I've heard many times in my life, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's heard things like, I don't believe a loving God will cast people into hell. And the truth is, is God doesn't have to, to throw people into that place of judgment. We already are. The Bible's very clear that, uh, you know, man doesn't have to do something special to become condemned. We are condemned already. That's what the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. We, we are already condemned before, before anybody gets saved. And therefore, mankind's place is to come to the understanding. That's, I was thinking earlier today about repentance. And the, the, for, for us, repentance is God turning the light on. And, you know, the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus again in John chapter 3 that men love darkness because their deeds are evil. And so when the Holy Spirit illuminates a heart and a mind and a life to understand I am a I am a condemned sinner <laughs> and I need Jesus to forgive me and save me from my sins. That's the light coming on. And so, you know, again, the question going back to people were under, uh, asking the question, why does God judge them that err? That's what verse 118 said. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes. So why does God judge them that err? Well, the truth is, is God makes the rules. And he has already laid these things out throughout the scriptures and creation testifies to her creator. This world is full of indications that there is a God in heaven and people can choose. And we're going to get to this, too. <laughs> people can choose to try to ignore that. And it's become so pervasive that now there's entire doctrinal positions of atheists. 
They don't believe that God created. They say they don't believe. I, I tend to feel like the way you see people talking about, they sound more like God haters than atheists. They sound like they hate God. They sound like they hate the things of God. They hate the Bible. They hate the people of God. So anyway, uh, that's what we've been talking about. Uh, so letter A, God has made the world and therefore he makes the rules. And I added this and the way for man to be forgiven and cleansed. And then number one, uh, that uh, or Genesis 1, 1, Colossians 1, we talked about 12 through 22. God is a creator and sustainer of all things that he has made, all laws and statutes that govern the universe. And man has to live by those. Number two, God has also given man his commandments and all the written word. And that word that reveals the truth that God, that man is sinful and needs forgiveness and salvation and is dependent upon God's mercy, deliverance and protection and guidance. And then number three is where we are today. Man uh, may choose to disregard God, his word and all the reality of what that means, but he cannot disregard the consequences of that choice. And so letter A, Proverbs 16, 9, I've, I've referenced this verse several times in our study of Psalm 119. But a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Man is a creature of free will, exactly the way God designed him. However, that free will actually has gotten us into a world of trouble. And so you, you look at Adam and Eve in the garden. God placed them in the perfect place. And he surrounded them with nothing but good. And there was one thing that he commanded them not to do. That was to not eat of the tree of the, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan appeared there, the, the serpent. And he, uh, he tempted Eve. You know, ha, yea, hath God said, thou shalt not eat of every tree in the garden. Isn't that just like Satan? <laughs> to tempt you to do the one thing that you are not supposed to do. And, he, and she said, we may freely eat. So anyway, the point is, is they sinned. They disobeyed God. And what did God tell them would be the consequence of them sinning? Okay, then the day that they eat, they, they, they shall surely die and they surely died spiritually. The most important way physically, they remained animated. You know, they still breathed in and out and their bodies still moved, but they died spiritually that day. And the entirety of the human race from Adam and Eve on were born spiritually dead, needing to be forgiven and saved by God. And, of course, the choice to be forgiven and saved, that goes true for every man and woman and child on the planet, including Israel, Israel's people. They have to all put their complete confidence and trust in God to be forgiven for their sins. That's been the condition for mankind ever since Adam and Eve at the beginning. And so mankind is still in that condition. And yet Satan has been actively in the world and deceiving mankind into believing that God is the one who is unjust. I mean, we see that perspective all throughout American society. God is the one who's unjust. And so um, man may choose to disregard God, his word and all the reality of what that means. But he cannot disregard the consequences of that choice. And a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. I had this note out to the left of that. The Lord chooses the steps of the man who fears and obeys him. God chooses how things play out for the man who fears God and obeys him. And the second thing is also true. The Lord chooses the steps of the man who does not fear or obey him. So we are allowed to make the choice of the, you know, the, the, the condition of the heart is a man's choice to choose who he will listen to, who he will obey, who he will give who, hearken to. The Bible's filled with exhortations over and over and over. Hearken to God. In other words, not just hear what he says, but hearken to him. Give place to him. Recognize that what he is saying is right. Listen, folks, we need to understand that God is always right. God is holy. 
He cannot be wrong. He cannot do wrong. And therefore, we are the ones who are out of place. We are the ones who have stepped out of bounds. And so therefore, it is our place to seek him and to seek his forgiveness. But the the truth is, is God is already seeking us. He's telling us to turn to him. I love the verse in Acts. I don't have it right here in front of me, but I think it's. I can't remember where it is, <laughs> but it's uh, Paul speaking to Mars Hill. And he's saying, you know, uh, that, that, that I'm going to mess this up. Um, it's he's referring to that the, the, uh, God is made of one blood, all nations, and man is meant to turn to God and seek him, though he be not far from any one of us. He's already here among us. He's already seeking us. He's already wooing and drawing mankind to him. It's mankind that is listening to the wrong person. Satan is using his own methods, using his devices to draw men away from God. And so, it, you know, it's, it's very important for us as Christians to understand who's playing here. It's God and Satan. And people are either following God or they're following Satan. And it's a, it's a, it's a frightening prospect. You know, the Lord Jesus told the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil, the most religious people in Israel were, for the most part, following Satan. <laughs> and so it's very important that mankind and, and we as Christians specifically learn that there's that the players going on on the battle, on the field, that there's two forces following God and following Satan. And so letter B here in, on page six is that it's the very bottom of the page. We exist in the time of grace. Uh, I have grace written above time when we exist in a time of grace where God is calling men to him to salvation and obedience. Satan is also at work weaving lies and deception. Man chooses who he believes uh, and who he trusts and will live eternally with the consequences of that choice. I'm going to say that again. We exist in the time in the time of grace where God is calling men to him and to salvation and obedience. Satan is also at work weaving lies and deception. Man chooses who he believes in, uh, who he believes and who he trusts, and will live eternally with the consequences of that choice. We're on page seven now. Uh, (laughs) It's a big deal to me. I want it to be a big deal to you. (laughs) And so um, the, the Lord is painting a picture of both paths. You know, that's that's what the scriptures do. They paint you a picture of the world that you cannot see or the world that you can't discern with your eyes or your senses. And so the Lord is painting a picture of both paths, following God and not following God. And so that's the two paths, following God or not following God. God's painting a picture of both paths so that man can choose uh, wisely who to follow. God does not want mankind to go to hell or to spend eternity in the lake of fire made for the devil and his angels. That is not God's plan. You see it in in Peter when God says, He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, literally, God wants every human being alive saved. And He wants to forgive them. And He wants to come into their life and make all things new. That is God's will and that is His plan. However, mankind is a free agent, which, you know, the more you learn, the more that should frighten all of us (laughs) that I have the ability to choose right and wrong, good and bad and who to follow. And so, uh, again, that that note, I don't know if you're taking these notes or not, but the Lord is is painting a picture of both paths, following him and not following him. 
is paying a picture of both paths so that man can wisely choose who to follow. And if you'd like to turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, this is the Lord Jesus speaking, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Matthew 7 verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, you notice <laughs> so many people believe just hearing is what is what makes you an obedient servant. But that's not true. Uh, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he, th- he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. And so the Lord Jesus, again, is painting that picture. If you hear these sayings, <laughs> and you do them, you're building your house upon a rock. And of course, the, the doing of them starts with, the trusting in him, believing him. And so as the Lord Jesus ministered to the Jews, the, the, the Bible says many believed on him or it would say, you know, not everybody did believe on him. And there were there were the people there that did not believe him and they tried to kill him. And so the those who believe him and follow him, they're building the house upon the rock. And that's the only way to survive the winds and the rains and the floods that come because they're coming on on both parties. Judgment is coming Upon the human race. The only way to evade that judgment is to be in Jesus Christ. And the picture of Moses who said, Lord, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And God said, there is a place by me. It's a beautiful saying. There is a place by me. And I will I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will pass by and declare the name of the Lord. And that place of safety is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the place of refuge. For the entirety of the human race. He is the place in which a man can flee to and be safe from the storm. The storm that that floods across every human being that has ever lived. The storm of judgment. (laughs) But in Jesus Christ is safety. Refuge. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. Because in Jesus Christ we're safe. So number four here on page seven is believers in Christ are commanded to testify of God's grace and salvation through Christ. We are to testify of the grace of God in our lives. And so, again, so many people, so many preachers have made note of this, that um, that God, if he wanted just to take us to heaven right after saving us, he, he could have done that. <laughs> we are left here to be a testimony. We're left here to be witnesses of Christ. And I, I always feel so hypocritical by saying these things as I, I feel like I sound like I got it all nailed down and I don't. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm certain that I'm at least as intimidated as anybody else is about witnessing to people. And yet it does not alleviate us from our duty, obligation, <laughs> and yes, privilege and right to be witnesses of God, God's children. And, of course, with that also, I've got to take the sweater off. You guys forgive me. I'm getting hot. Yeah, overheating. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the, the gift of God is a gift that's been given to us. And it's our place to tell others, to testify, to find a way, to, to ask God to give us a way in which we can be witnesses of him and testify of him. 
And uh, and with that, with the spoken testimony or the witness that God gives us, there must be a life that goes along with that. Because if you don't have a life of one following Jesus Christ, what you have is a hypocrite. And none of us, you know, the harshest language you hear for anybody in the Bible is for the hypocrites. I mean, you want to, and I, I can't remember if that's, uh, I can't remember where that's at. <laughs> Matthew 26 or 23, I can't remember. But the point is, it's the harshest language you see is for the hypocrites. The people who claimed they were following God, but really they were just as carnal and fleshly as anybody else in the world. And I've told you guys before about people I've known at work or elsewise who say, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm following God. I, uh, and, and talk uh, about the blood of Jesus all the time. But then they turn around and they say and do some of the most heinous things. And you wish they would just be quiet. You know, don't talk about the Lord if you're going to act like it like this. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I know I'm not. But the point is, is, you know, you you have to have a life that says you're a disciple of Christ. And so and, and by the way, when we make mistakes and we mess up and people are around, we should tell them I messed up. I, I sinned. I shouldn't have done that. I spouted out of my, well, off with my mouth. I should have said or done that. Listen, folks, we need to just tell people I, I'm I'm a human being and I make mistakes. I do things that are wrong. I, and God, I seek my forgiveness from God. So believers in Christ are commanded to testify of God's grace and salvation through Christ. We are to testify of the grace of God in our lives. And again, that's not so that we can get some sort of glory. It's so that God can be glorified. And so if you'd like to turn with me to Luke chapter eight, I'd like you, I'd like you to see this Luke chapter eight. This is a just a beautiful, beautiful record of what the Lord Jesus did in, in, in this person's life. So Luke chapter 20, uh, chapter eight, verse 26. Give you guys a second. Luke chapter eight, verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he, he went forth uh, to land. There met, and I'm sorry, and when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And uh, Jesus asked him, saying, what is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there and heard of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the, and the herd uh, ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. And when that uh, they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. And uh, they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also, which saw it, told them by what means he, he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about him, roundabouts besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. And the man out of whom the devils were, uh, were departed besought him that he might be with him. <laughs> That's always very, very much moved me. <laughs> and now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. 
And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things God had done unto him. And it came to pass when Jesus was returned that the, uh, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him. Isn't that something? The Lord Jesus, <laughs> he came and he did something so miraculous, so, so incredible that it actually made the people afraid. <laughs> it's amazing to me that they, that they were more disturbed, it seems like, and more afraid, it seems like, by the maniac's healing <laughs> or recovery from the demons than, than they were of the demon, of the guy that was possessed with the demons. They were more disturbed by the Lord Jesus healing him. And, and so anyway, my point is, is that what made the difference in this land was this man's testimony. The Lord Jesus said, go back. And he, the Lord Jesus said, go back to thine house and, and tell them what, how great things God hath done for unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And folks, we are called to the exact same thing. The Lord Jesus has done great things in my life and in your life. Now, listen, by the grace and mercy of God, the Lord Jesus did not have to cast out demons out of me. But his miracles are no less great. The fact is, is everybody who had his destiny changed from hell to heaven had as great and greater a miracle as what that man had experienced. What this man had was an opportunity, and again, you saw it right away. <laughs> he was clothed in his right mind, and when the Lord Jesus was leaving because they didn't want him around, uh, now when the man out of whom the devils were de departed besought him that he might be with him, Jesus was beginning to leave, and he wanted to be where Jesus was. And that is one thing that having a hard, tarnished life before you met Jesus, that's one thing it can do for you is illustrate to you the contrast of what it's like to walk away from God and to walk in his presence. Every one of us should have that knowledge that we can share with others. What a difference Christ being in my life has made. And that's not to say, look at me, look at what a wonderful person I am. It's a matter of like this man. Everybody knew who he was. Listen, he gave praise and glory to God and God can do the same thing for us. And again, we're not we may not be a, a, a maniac. We may not be a lunatic. I think that's isn't this where they got the term lunatic? I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, we God can give us the power to speak, the power to praise his name and give glory to God. I want to tell you guys something. I, again, you know, I, I, I am very you know, anxious about talking to people about uh, about witnessing or whatever. But I, there was one day not long ago I had said, Lord, just somehow I just need I need your power. <laughs> I need power to be able to speak or witness. And, you know, I never feel particularly strong going out. But anyway, we were at a Goodwill and, uh, and uh, there's a lady. She was a real nice lady. Um, and anyway, she um, I was giving I was giving her gospel track. And I says, tells you the good news about how you can know for sure going to heaven and and she she wanted to talk about it. She goes, I used to go to church a long time ago. And I said, well, church is important, but even more important than that is to know for sure going to heaven. And then after you're saved, you know, God begins to make changes and things like that. So somebody we, I gave her the track and we got our stuff and we left. And the next thing, about a minute or two later, I guess we see her out in the parking lot with this track in her hand. And she's looking 
And so I, I said, hey, ma'am, uh, is everything all right? And she goes, there's a lady inside and she wanted this gospel track, but I told her this is mine. <laughs> I tell you, folks, I've never had that kind of reaction before. And, and she goes, I was just wondering if there's another one. I said, yeah, there's another one. <laughs> and listen, folks, my point is, is that if you have a desire to communicate to others the grace of God, God will give it to us. He will give us the grace to be able to witness in some way, to be able to testify of that Jesus is the answer. I love how Peter says it, to be ready to, uh, at all times to give an answer of the hope that lies within. And that's what we're supposed to be talking about as we go through life, the hope that we have. Yes, sir, Brother Albie. Amen. Right. Like when I try to witness to people, they expect a physical change in themselves. Yeah, you're supposed to have a halo over your head. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand what, what they're looking for, yeah. except you're trying to explain to them your soul needs to be saved. Yeah. Because this body is going to be gone, and your soul is going to be somewhere. Yeah. Fast. If you're not worried about that, then. Okay, like right. yeah. for the day. But when I when I had that accident and I told people I, you know, close to and different people that I had come in contact with, I said, Man, this is neat because now, <laughs> now I get to show them, look at God Amen. takes care of me in spite of myself. Glory to God. I I don't know how to praise him and bless him but through some kind of accident like Amen. that or different things that he's done in my life that weren't as obvious as that. But when I explain those other little things, it's like talking to the window. <laughs> but when I show him something like that, I say, oh, somebody was with you. I say, Amen. God was with me. Praise God. God was with me. I said, I can't explain it any better than that. I Amen. Says, I've seen people tore up less accidents. Right. And that, I said, the only thing you could say was the format of that car. Amen. I says, God is good. Amen. I said, give me opportunity day after day to say, God is good. Amen. Well, and you're you're touching on a very important thing, and that's that we often, you know, things happen to us. I I don't like talking about it, but the first stroke I had was a major stroke. Yeah. Well, and and the thing is, is yeah, yeah, and so I mean. the thing is, I was discouraged because nobody in my family had had heart attack or stroke or anything. I was 40, 47. You were 48. 48, right. So, <laughs> so I was saying, you know, I'm so, I feel like I'm so young and I, you know, so anyway, I was discouraged. But at the same time, you know, like Albie said, <laughs> gave me something to say that God brought me through. <laughs> first, when we first left the hospital, you still had those bands on. He spent yeah. a week, almost a week in the hospital after that first one. And uh, we're going into the stores and it's like, just had a stroke. And you wouldn't know to look at him. You wouldn't know to look at him. I just it, saw a young man the other day, his early, late 20s, who mm-hmm. had a stroke, slurred speech, couldn't use his hand. And Brett's had multiple ones the first time and two more since. Right. And you cannot and, and the, Well, and, and the, point, the point to get at about that is that we don't want bad things to happen. But listen, folks, 
bad things are coming. <laughs> They're coming for everybody. At some level, bad things are coming as in trying things, difficult things, undesired things. And yet, listen, there's just so many things and they're meant to be a way to testify. You know, and, and sometimes it may be nothing more than like like Job, you know, when Job uh, lost everything. And it was it was so explicit. You know, it was something supernatural. And everybody assumed, including Job, that it was God doing it. And uh, you, we get from chapter one at the very beginning. It wasn't God doing it to him. God allowed it to happen. And so every time things that we wouldn't want to come into our life, every time they come into our life, we should ask God for the grace to say the exact same thing that Job said. The Lord is given. The Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, sir. Yeah. Because back a ways back if you all remember when Cass had that aneurysm mm-hmm. and she was in the hospital in intensive care for twenty one days and she wiped this table and all yeah. that. And I said to God then, I said, I I've taken her for granted all this time. I said if if this if right now you want to take her, okay, just give me the grace to deal with the fact that she's gone. But if you I realize how much I depend on her and we're we're so together for all these years and everything. So she didn't have to have any major surgeries to take care of that situation. They didn't I mean they did a spinal tap or something like that to make sure she didn't have some kind of thing to paralyze her and everything. But I played on the way down there, I said, you know, I may come back from the hospital with a person I have to take care of the rest of my life. She may be slurred speech and disabled arms and legs and all kinds of stuff when people have strokes like that. I mean, or aneurysm right. in the brain and stuff. And I, I said, I just, just give me that. Mm-hmm. And so that over that period of time from then until the time they had the car wreck, it's like, not intentionally, but it's almost like I got accustomed to the fact that he's dealing with us all the time. And I say, you know, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. But then another thing comes, boom! (laughs) Wakes me up like, I've I've been taking care of you all this time. You've got to pray this time about the traveling mercies. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a sticky note. Right. It, it come to me just like that when it happened and I was in the hospital and I was laying there and I go, I forgot to pray for the travel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's like these little wake-up calls. Yeah, amen. Yeah, and, and those those things are a kindness. <laughs> everything God's doing is, is a kindness. We, we fail to understand it, but everything that God sends or allows into our lives it's all kindness from the Lord. And so uh, I had this note uh, also that the man uh, uh, didn't want to go back to his life before he met the Lord Jesus. He didn't desire to. You know, so many people see, oh, well, if you're a Christian, if you're a religious person, you can't do this. You can't do that. This man did not want to go back to the life before the Lord Jesus. And so um, then I have a letter, letter C. That was letter B. And then I have a letter C. The man whom Christ saved from the devils, his testimony made people ready to receive Christ. And that's extraordinary. 
they turned him away when he came. And the man testified you know, of the great things that Jesus had done unto him and the people were ready. Folks, that that clearly is saying that mining your testimony will is something that God will use to make people ready. In one way, a small way, a great way, whatever. We're just cogs in the wheel, but God has a plan to use you and I, our testimony, to help people to be ready. To hear the truth, to receive Christ. And it may not be in, in your hearing. It may happen 10 years from now. You don't know. But whatever it is, our place is to find, is to ask God to help us to testify. Testify of what God has done. What great things God has done in our lives. So uh, letter B is uh, the, the, their deceit is falsehood. That's the latter half of that verse. Um, sorry. Amen. And, that, and that's the other purpose of testifying. <laughs> Encourage each other. That makes me feel good to know that I'm not the only one who takes care of. I mean, Amen. the people that I know are Christians and, you know, I don't know, know like God knows. Amen. But the appearances of like they're trying to live for Christ. Yeah. It's like my prayer is for the missionaries and stuff. There's so many missionaries and so many people that preach and stuff like that. That's just... Please bless the work of the people that are trying to spread your word Amen. and trying to draw people to you. He takes care of that other mess. Let him take care of that. Amen. But bless the people that are trying hard Amen. to get, you know, people saved. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. So um, the verse we're looking at is uh, uh, verse 118. Thou hast trodden down all them that err from thy statutes. For their deceit is falsehood. So for their deceit is falsehood. The deceived deceiving others with their deception. And so these are the deceived also testifying. <laughs> you know, people who are deceived. And we see that again all over the place. You can't look at the news without seeing somebody spreading lies. Either they know their lies or they don't know their lies. But they're spreading falsehood. They're spreading deceit. And it's Satan's deceit. So look at Second Timothy. It's here in your notes. Verse 12. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So again, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And let me just tell you, I can I can I can just say I have seen that verse fulfilled in my lifetime. I can I could never have guessed that people would be publicly out loud in in our society, in the town square, anywhere, anyhow, saying and doing the things that they're doing. And they the way they act, they do not think they're going to meet God. They've deluded themselves again, the the, the, the deceived, deceiving and being deceived. Sounds like <laughs> sounds like sounds like a lot of people. Well actually that you know She's told me some of the things that that Fauci's research has done. I'm just going to go ahead and park here for a second. That's all right. I mean, uh, I mean, some of the heinous things. The pup. Have you guys heard about the puppies? I mean, it's just so wicked. I can't even fathom. You know, the Bible talks about the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Well, they they. Do you guys want to hear or anybody just a, totally adverse to this kind of torture? Anybody? If you don't want to hear, I won't. Okay. All right. So they. You tell it. <laughs> 
You, you know it better than I do. They took these puppies and they cut their voice boxes so they wouldn't have to hear them yiping. And they just put their heads into a box full of these fleas and stuff. So they were, they were feeding on the puppies, but they couldn't hear the puppies cry because they cut the voice boxes. That's what, they, what, he, that's what the NIH, our government, did that. Taxpayer our, dollars. Our government did that. But worse than that, I don't know if you guys heard about this one. Worse than that is they took the scalps from aborted babies and they sewed them onto the backs of rats to see if the hair would still grow. And the hair grew. They took the scalps of babies and sewed them onto rodents to see the hair grow. Our government paid for that. The NIH, the National Institute of Health, that's Fauci. Now, that's not even including what he did. If you go back to uh, the honey, AIDS, don't, don't, don't get too the AIDS babies, <laughs> um, orphans that survived AIDS, he would, he would get medical custody of them through the state of New York. And he would use research, give them the drugs for AIDS. He was in charge of our AIDS response. And he would, when the babies refused to take it and they would feel sick and the grandmothers would say, this is, they feel terrible in this medicine. They don't want to take this medicine. They put the tubes in the tummies and put the medicine directly into the tubbies. And the grandmas could do nothing about it. And there's actually, from what I understand, an unmarked grave, a, a mass grave in New York for these children who died in the state custody while receiving experimental AIDS treatments. That was our government. Yeah, so our that's, that's a kind of evil and wickedness. And I had no idea. I mean, I didn't know this a year ago. I didn't know our government was doing those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, in, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing there just aren't words for. Evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Yes, sir. The big things that we can really see, the little things that are around us all the time that we take for granted. Like, I was telling you about my brother-in-law goes to church and the preacher is a woman. I saw the other day on the Facebook, they just had confirmation of a woman being the deacon in that same church. Those things like that are around us all the way, and there's little things like that. Well, it's easy to do when you're you don't have to you don't have to give hearken to the Lord at all and His Word. Right. It's, it's like, and they're calling this religion, and they're calling this, and people are in that realm of thing. They think it's right. I can't remember where it was. I saw that some some pastor was was liking a post about 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 someone having an abortion, you know, which is murdering a baby. I mean, it's just it's so heinous. It's absolutely and it's, these kinds of things makes you wonder how how long will God allow us our country to continue like this? And so, um, for their deceit is falsehood. The deceived deceiving others with their deception. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the last point I have is uh, letter C. It's in my notes, not in yours. All of humanity must continue towards the end. For some, our, our redemption draweth nigh. For some, their judgment draws near. So let me read that again for people who are adding their, to their notes. All of humanity must continue towards the end. For some, our redemption draweth nigh. For some, their judgment draws near. So the Lord has... Created mankind and created Adam and Eve all the way down to all of us with free will. And so before these human beings with free will, he declares the truth. And Satan is also out here weaving lies in and out of people's lives. And so the Lord is allowing them all to continue until the end. And so Luke chapter 21, verse 28. I'm going to turn and read it real quick so we have get it in before we get closed, before pastor comes in. <laughs> Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Um, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up 
and lift up your heads for your uh, redemption draweth nigh. It's interesting. Bob was asking about Armageddon and Gog and Magog. And this passage, as I read it, the whole thing last night is seems to be referring to the entirety. of This is like a panoramic referring to the end times. And so amidst all that, our redemption draweth nigh. Glory to God. But for some, their judgment draws near. In Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13, verse 24. Another, another parable he put, he put forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath, hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let them both grow together into the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles and bur- uh, to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. A very simple parable. I mean, this is just straight, straight black and white Bible. The wheat and the tares grow together until the end. And then the Lord gathers the tares and they're put in bundles and they're burned. Listen, the Lord is seeking opportunities to save men and women and children. And he's seeking to change people's lives. Our lives need to need to be bolted on to his going where he would have us go, saying what he would have us say. And if we're not doing that, we're failing miserably in why we are here. We are here to grow together. You notice there, he said um, that uh, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares uh, and, uh, uh, among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, his people should be bearing fruit. <laughs> and that's not just you know, one thing. It's not just like singing in church or, or you know, giving or something like that. It's the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith. And I'm probably missing something, but we're supposed to be displaying those things. Those those things are supposed to be active in our lives, giving glory to God. And so, listen, we are here for the purpose of glorifying God and testifying of his works. And, And listen, God is willing to let mankind go until the end. The wheat and the tares together. And so, listen, I, I've been convicted about this last, I don't know, weeks, months, <laughs> about my complaining. I complain a lot. I just complain and whine too much about any myriad of things. We are here for a reason. We're here to give glory to God. And we're not here to complain. <laughs> and so uh, all these things, you know, our, our redemption draweth nigh. You know, as, as we see the world getting darker and darker and darker and darker. Listen, that is an indication that our redemption is drawing nigh. <laughs> the time in which the Lord will take us home and we will be with him forever in eternity. The Bible is very clear. He will wipe away all tears from our eyes. The Bible talks about rivers of delight the, of his pleasures. The Bible says the, that we will inherit all things. Listen, folks, we have a lot to look forward to, but right now is not our reward. Now is the time to serve and to serve with the Lord Jesus Christ in this world as his yoke fellow. It's our place. It's our burden. It's our calling. It's our duty. It's our privilege. 
And so we just need to pray every day, Lord, this day is yours. This day and tomorrow, they're God's. If he leaves us here, it's so that we may glorify him. It's that we may testify him. So our, our place is to accept that and say, Lord, use me <laughs> however, however you want. Give me grace to speak. Give me grace to act like you want me to act, to live like you in this world. All right. Pastor's right there. We have to close. <laughs> we got a good spot, though. All right. Let's Lord, thank you for this time we've had. Thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you communicate to us. We thank you. That we, like the man that you, you healed of that horrible, horrible situation, we, like him, can testify that you have done great things in our lives. And we pray that you help us, Lord, to have a ready uh, praise on our lips, a ready, uh, Lord, a, a, a admonition or a ready um, uh, exaltation. Uh, help us, Lord, to have your word, your praise on our lips at all times. We pray for your blessing on everyone here tonight. Please bring it, keep us safe. Bring us home safe tonight. And uh, bless our families and all the needs that were mentioned tonight. And uh, we thank you. Please also especially be with uh, Brother Johnny uh, and his family and be with uh, Laurie and her family uh, at the loss of these loved ones. Please comfort them and help them during this time. We thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Two quick announcements. One, I forgot to bring the 